You know, for a movie with so many murders, this one is so darn pleasant. Something about the town folk in North Dakota, no matter what they're doing, they can't help but be cheery. Maybe when it's cold all the time, your mind just has to be optimistic or you won't make it. Seven people die in this movie, but everyone seems to take it in stride. When Fincher kills off that many people, it drove Brad Pitt insane. But when Joel Cohen does it, Francis McDormand is pretty chill. It's a return to crime movies for the Coens, with only about 30% of the grit and three times the charm that something like Miller's Crossing gave. It's a good time full of wood chippers, chipper people, people killers, and killer accents. Put on your thickest coats. We're going to Fargo. 30% less true grit. That's better. Aw, hun, you got Arby's all over me. This is Best Pictures, the podcast where we pick our favorite movies for every year we've been alive. <laughs> I'm Cody Lunsford, and I'm joined as always by... I'm Chad. You ever been to Minneapolis? Um, I'm Mark, and no. Would it uh, kill you to say something? I, I did. <laughs> no. It's the first thing you've said in the last four hours. Yeah, that's a fountain of conversation there, buddy. Yeah, that's a geyser. We're done, Cody. We're done with the very okay. Quote. Yeah. The so, so this was suppo- like when we started this yeah. eons ago. Whenever we started this podcast, um, September. This was of just last meant to be been, a bit. Yeah. Th- this was meant to be a bit for you guys to introduce yourselves, not practice for community theater, <laughs> which it's turned into. You guys are, you. It goes from one line each to you guys are now doing full scenes. Um. Well, not the full scene. There was a lot we could have pulled from from the scene. We just decided. Uh, that this was the best part to introduce ourselves because it gives you a little insight into what each of us are like. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I like conversation and Mark does not. So. Yep. Interesting. There you go. <laughs> um, Mark's good on podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I apologize for sounding like a monster, but I, uh, because we have been spending yeah. the entire week in Fargo, I've developed a bit of a cold. Yeah, you got a little sniffles going um, on. Yeah, and a cough that is I'm definitely going to try to hide, but we'll see what happens. I'll see what I can do in post. Yeah, exactly. Um, So this is Best Pictures. Um, In this podcast, we try and find the best movie for every year we've been alive. We do that by each picking our favorite movie of every year. Then we talk about the Academy pick, and then for Shiggles, we talk about the Razzie pick. Last week, I chose the motion picture Scream. Not last week, last episode. Who cares? Um, this episode, Chad, that's me, has picked Fargo. I did, but before that, I want to know what you guys have seen at your local megaplexes. Let's start with Marcus Watlington. You know, I kind of got inspired by if you think about this, this podcast and other film podcasts, they're kind of like we pick a thing to watch, and we watch, and we all sit around and talk about it. Um, so I picked something similar to that, a book club. Um, a movie. Mark, I asked you. I asked you to talk about a movie, not how you spend your Tuesday evenings. Well, um, I think I actually did see this on a Tuesday. Ironically, I I went Shit. to see Book Club. It's it's a it's a movie about four um, septuagenarians, probably, um, who decide. Well, I'm sorry. Go back. Back up. Septuagenarians. I'm stupid. Se- so people in oh, their seventies. Is that what that is? People in their seventies. Okay. Yeah, but I don't think Mary Steenburgen is in it, her seventies. I think it's just older ladies. Yeah, the idea. it's one of those movies where like they're, I guess, 
Yeah, they're not all the same age. But and yes. Mark, right. why didn't you just say women in their seventies? Why are you trying uh, to impress I like, us? I like to sound smart. Um, oh. It's one he of was those trying things to convince us it was a movie about snakes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, the, the people in Harry Potter who talk to snakes. Those are septa, right, right, right. Septa it's just a movie about them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's Diane Keaton. You want me to go through the ages of all these women? Diane Keaton, no, I don't. Jane care. Fonda, Candace Bergen, and Mary Steenburgen. Um, I don't think they're all. Yeah. They're all no. older ladies um, mm-hmm. yep. who are in a book club together, and they have been for decades. And this time, they decide to read uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, and it reinvigorates their love life. Um, Interesting. So they all get like, really the, into bondage. Um, no, no one gets into bondage. <laughs> no, but uh, isn't that what it's, it's, have you seen? I haven't seen it, but isn't that what it is? Yeah, they're like sort of into it, and then like at the end, she's like, nah. But then also they do it sometimes, but also like they just kind of have sex a lot. It's, I don't, they're weird. You talking about Book Club or Fifty Shades? (laughs) Fifty Shades. Okay. It's not weird because I'm kink shaming. It's weird because those movie, those books, I haven't read the books. Those movies have no clear sense of what they're about. Gotcha. Uh, That makes sense. Book Club is kind of the same. It's, it's basically four independent stories um, where the main characters of each of those stories are friends. So is it good? It's all right. It's okay. fun. Um, uh, you see, um, uh, what's his face? Craig T. Nelson has a giant Mr. boner because uh, he's been he's been Viagra. Um, hey, my hey. favorite plotline is Candace Bergen's plotline. She's a widow who um, decides to get on Bumble, um, and her plotline is she gets on Bumble, has a bad date, and then continues to be on Bumble. End of plot. Line. <laughs> that's, that's the whole thing. Literally, there. literally, her like her final scene is her like, getting back on Bumble. Sounds like an episode of Mumblecore show. Easy, um, just Bumble not that Core. interesting. No, it it does. Um, Bumblecore, I said. Uh, Bumblecore. <laughs> I get it. Um, thanks, Chad. Congratulations on the very good joke. So, Mark, do you know happen to know who the production company is? who made book club um i do not i'm just interested like i don't know that it was universal could i look this up um yes. you keep talking and i will look it up and am i no but 50 shades of gray the film rights are owned by universal so right. i'm just wondering if they had to do some kind of like backroom deal or if it's a universal movie and they can just put it in i'm because them name checking 50 shades of gray they also read it out very loud. specific yeah so like they had to get some yeah. kind of permission they didn't they could have just done like we read a horny book but instead they like specifically did 50 shades of gray you uh you you figure that out that detail yet there researcher mark it absolutely was i didn't find it like how hard is it mark the the imdb app is bad why are you using imdb that's where i was look at the cast it's on wikipedia man I'm going. Yeah. God I'm damn on it. Wikipedia. I'm on Wikipedia right now. Paramount. That's what I it's discovered. Paramount. That it's Paramount, which is not universal, so I don't know what they did. Should but I just the cut thing all is... this out of the podcast? <laughs> no, all of this is good stuff. Um, it shows how Mark's bad at his job. I don't universal... want to out Mark as being bad at his job. Universal owns the right to adapt the book, but I'm sure Paramount has the rights to like read the book. Reference it. Does or this fall SL... under parody law? Because like SNL can no. use like whatever brands and stuff they want because they're doing parody. It's not a parody though, but I bet E. L. James holds permissions for it to be referenced, yeah. and mm. she probably gave those to them. Like because it's not film rights, they're referencing the yeah. book. It's kind so of like she 
She probably likes money. And it's kind of like how the, when the does. Beatles came to America, they had um, they were signed to a contract where only one company could put, could produce their albums, but no one said anything about soundtrack albums that they made. So they just made a movie and released that album, that soundtrack, as its own album. Right. And that's let, how Hardy's Night happened. Let me ask you this, Mark. So they're doing all these like references to the Fifty Shades book. Mm-hmm. Um, all three, you think, mind you. All three. So do the books know that they're in the movie? <laughs> um, oh, I don't. I don't think so. Because um, I it, recently saw a film. Get this: the main character knows that he's in a movie the whole time. <laughs> Chad, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. No, like I have never seen a film where that is possible, and I simply do not believe it can happen. It's wild. Is it like it, the Truman get Show? This, get this: it's a superhero movie. Uh, but uh, like, it's, but like, I like to think it's not like really a superhero movie. It's like kind please, of more like a comedy. Yeah, I'm gonna punch you. <laughs> Uh-huh. Because uh-huh. there's never been jokes in Super. <laughs> oh, like never. Super. Super is kind and of And Kick-Ass like... doesn't exist or, exist, or Super, or, like Mark know, said, like or Avengers Infinity Hancock, War, which like, had movie. lots of jokes in it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I saw Deadpool 2, and it was fine. I gave it three and a half stars on Letterboxd, I think. Um, I had a good time. A lot of the Deadpool jokes, I just rolled my eyes through most of them. He made a couple jabs at like the Martha stuff in Batman v Superman, and here's my my reaction was this: it was, <laughs> so <laughs> right. But then it, it, Domino came on the screen, and I was very enthralled, and she stole the show. She was the Spider Man uh, in Civil War to this movie. For me. And Ch- Chad has been on a real domino kick since he's seen this movie. He's like been texting us and stuff. Yeah. And I I'm like wearing the costume right now. Like down it's to exhausting. The he, and well, the he's wanting to eat wing. pizza. He asked yep. me mm-hmm. uh, if we have any doubles that he can lay down with and add uh-huh. to our train. Right. He's yeah. just real all in on dominoes. I've, period. No, I'm I, I'm glad you enjoy that character. I don't think anyone has shit all to do in that movie, including her. Well, so I'm like. I like her, but it's kind of like, okay, she's there for probably seven minutes of screen. Sure, but so is Spider-Man in Civil War, but he definitely stole the show in that movie. Like, he was, like, all people were talking about for a while. I felt very similar to her that I did here. I want to see more of her in future movies, basically, is my only thing. Yeah, maybe. But, yeah, she didn't I have, just, like, an arc, and like, but no, her, her power was cool, just, like, simplifying it to being, like, yeah, I'm lucky. And then just seeing that played out throughout the whole movie just things working out yeah. for her. it was like funny it was wonderful i liked it a lot and speaking of arcs the arcs in the movie suck but so <laughs> that yeah. doesn't like, I mean, like, like the, maybe that's why she stood out as good is because she didn't have a bad arc <laughs> she just didn't <laughs> right so like straight up deadpool's arc is he watched the movie logan like it it <laughs> for real bothered me a lot it was, that it basically was a, yeah. they didn't write deadpool too until Logan came out. Like, you could tell. They were like, fuck, what do we do? <laughs> Logan came out, and they were like, oh, we'll do. We'll make fun of uh, superheroes mm-hmm. dying in movies, because that happens all the time. And it's like, nah, dude, it happened once. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't, like, you... I mean, Superman died in Batman versus Superman. But, um, <laughs> so it has happened. But it, it's just kind of like... Also, the... the, the all of the Avengers died. In but War. but they didn't know it at the time. Okay. But, mm-hmm. but but what I'm saying is like it felt like they were attempting to riff on something, and it was like, okay, you're riffing on something that's not really a trend. Well, well, they were doing that a couple times where like they were winking to a comic audience or a hyper nerdy audience, and weren't doing their due diligence of making a movie. 
Because yeah. like there are characters who straight up just show up, and you're just like expected. You're like, okay, like, okay, spoilers. Juggernauts in this movie. It's a and huge reveal act, when Juggernaut shows up because everyone is like so attached to X Men Three: The Last Stand. Exactly, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like people are losing. Like in the movie, you're supposed to lose your mind, and they play it like it's this huge moment. And you're like, I, who the fuck is this? I don't he makes know. a reference to being Charles Xavier's brother, Juggernaut's, which makes no goddamn sense Juggernaut, in the sense of the movie. Sure, but Juggernaut is a very popular comic book character. That like sort so, of, like, you're, sort you're of playing to a. There, he was like a meme for a while. The like, I'm the Juggernaut, bitch, like that. Because uh, because <laughs> it's ridiculous in the movie. Like, well, and so this is my big problem with the Deadpool movies is they're playing to what was popular in X Men in 1995. Juggernaut's not a huge character right now. Not he was, but I mean, no, you're, but you're playing for like an audience that like read comic books in '95. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely riffing. You're playing on, to I Ryan mean, Reynolds. Like that's the thing. It's a hundred percent what he likes, which is like cool um, that he gets to do it. Well, no, it is, which is why like Deadpool like, yeah. fans, fangirls about or fans out about Juggernaut. That's why Ryan Reynolds voices Juggernaut. Like it. You're playing to the stuff he likes, which is the very 90s Rob mm-hmm. Liefeld pouch. But I think that there are Deadpool. people who are older than us that grew up reading those 90s comic book, those 90s X-Men comic books that really enjoyed the shout outs that it did. Um, I, mean, I mean, like, it. What, this movie isn't necessarily made for people our age. I mean, I don't know who it's fucking made which for. Is, uh, yeah, but, which is, yeah, which is odd because we're the age right now but the thing is, there are, of who there are. There are jokes in it that are for us. Yeah. Like all like there are like uh he, he he does when Juggernaut passes out or when he sees Juggernaut he does the the um sun's getting real low thing mm-hmm. from Right, which which, 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 chuckle. which I thought was funny. But the and thing is Thor Ragnarok did that joke first and it was funnier. I don't know. Um, yeah. um but it's I mean, funny out of context as well. Um So sure. Cuz but, but it, it's just like the, the movie forgets to do functional things yeah, as mean, a movie sometimes. Can, they, they point out tropes and make jokes about those, and then when they're not making jokes about something, they're secretly doing those same tropes themselves. I, com- and I completely kind of what, agree that yeah. as a movie, it falls apart, but I think as a right. comedy, it's functional and funny at times. I think it's... I think it's... Yeah, I think functional, it's, I think sure. it's pretty funny. And I think it's plot. You can. It has a plot as much as like a comedy needs to have a plot. When people are yeah. like, "It's not a superhero movie; it's a comedy." What they kind of mean by that is like, what it's trying to do isn't show you a superhero movie. What it's trying to do is make you laugh, <laughs> and it's framing mm. itself as it's a superhero movie, kind of like *Tropic Thunder* is a war movie in that it like <laughs> functionally isn't. But right. Well, I I just wish then that they would lean all into the comedy thing because it opens yeah. with a hyper dark ending or a dark yeah. beginning and they keep having like flashes to him like talking with his dead girlfriend and stuff like yeah, that any of and those like, sincere moments I'm, i just can't like yeah. buy into or believe I'm, I'm, I'm kind i need of them on to the go page. all the way yeah is basically what one I'm way saying. or the like, other it's not it's not like tonal inconsistencies are always like a bad thing necessarily no. but like in this particular movie when it's like a popcorn like comedy or superhero movie i 
But then no, that's that's that's. Both. I just think because, that like, like I, I accept it in Marvel movies, so like I, I think it's just right. doing them both half-assed, and it's not doing either. Exactly, 100%. they exist in a middle ground that they're not good at existing in. Yeah, I can I see that, but I think that like as a like a mutant-based comedy, it functions as a decent X farce. Yeah, sure. I I just well, and then uh, uh, I don't a, know. Congratulations! On the I made Cody some man that he didn't even hear my fucking joke. No, I I heard it, but I just I was like, Whatever. I thought it was fine. It's my least favorite superhero movie of the year, I believe. Yeah. But okay, that's yeah. just because well, we haven't seen Aquaman yet. Or that's Venom, fine. So. We've, had, we've had three superhero movies this this year. It's the third best superhero movie yeah. I've seen this year. It is. Right. It is. Fine. I just. I mean, the the problem. The thing that is emblematic about the movie to me is they make a joke about like, wow, here's a expensive CGI fight, mm-hmm. and then they proceed to have Colossus and Juggernaut fight. Yeah, it's having. And their it is the most boring yeah. part of the movie. Yeah, like it's so. I mean that that's kind of my thing. They talk, they point out the lazy writing a lot, which is like oh, I hate I I do hate s- that where they're you like did do lazy writing though, homie. Like I hate it when when they point out lazy writing as an excuse for lazy writing. Right, no, we're right. If Deadpool were to say that's just lazy writing, get up off the couch, go to like Hollywood, Burbank, stop at the studio, go to the writer's office, fix the script, and then insert a better scene, maybe you got a better movie. Maybe, but hey, here's my hot take on Deadpool. He doesn't always have to break the fourth wall. No. that That is a fundamental misunderstanding of the Deadpool character. Again, one that a lot of people on the internet seem to have because they think Deadpool means fourth wall breaking. His current run of comics that uh, Jerry Duggan writes doesn't break the fourth wall at all. He makes lots of jokes. He makes lots of pop culture references, but he's never like, I'm in a comic. I'm in this. And it works better because that joke gets old fast. But the fourth wall breaking was the 90s era of Deadpool, which is why they're doing it. Which is what it's referencing. Cody, what have you seen right, recently? Exactly. Yeah. I saw another movie that we're going to talk about for a while, I'm sure. Jeez. Um, I just want to so say that I'm bitter that none of you guys saw Book Club, so we can't talk about it more. I know, we probably would I want to talk about Andy Garcia and his, so his beard, which is Watching great. Solo. So, Watching Cody. Solo. Watching Solo. We hadn't really talked about Solo much. Uh, what uh-huh. were your thoughts on it? Non-spoiler thoughts. When spoilers, I- spoilers, spoilers. Darth Maul's in it, which is fucking insane. <laughs> okay, I do. I feel like I should cut that out, or no, no. I mean, no. That like people who want to see it will have seen it, and I yelled spoilers three times. Um, <laughs> Darth Maul is in the movie. Yeah, he's in the movie, which is wild. <laughs> and it's like he doesn't have a lot to do, but it still was like, oh shit. Yeah, I mean, which a, is exactly has, what they want from me. He has nothing. They to got do. me. He's just there nothing to be like, to I was in charge of the bad guy of this movie the whole time. But it's like, I want to see where this goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, go to the people, next one. People, people were pointing out that's the marvelization of Star Wars, mm-hmm. which like, sure, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> we need, but that that's just one part of it. I think Solo's pretty fun. I don't think it's like groundbreaking but anybody who expected it to be why like i think it's a fun star wars romp um i'd be more excited if star wars tried to stop tying everything together and started introducing new things i mean um i read this article that was describing like marvel has all these connections 
but they're all about passing the baton forward. Mm-hmm. And Star Wars is not really moving forward. They're existing between, which is a good argument right now, but then we're about to have two movies set before other movies and yeah, one set in the 90s and shit like that. But it, w- Which I think I would be more excited by that, but if I'm going to get a Han Solo movie, this version of it, I'm pretty happy with. Yeah. Does that make sense? I, I know that's a roundabout thing. I really liked it. And I would kind of argue like it's it yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be groundbreaking, and then I was like surprised how groundbreaking it seemed to be. In what way? Like it yeah, it was a Star Wars ways. movie that like for the first time wasn't like largely about like destiny and these like larger things. It was the mm-hmm. smallest story we've ever gotten in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, it was which, really like, personal. Yeah, like yeah. even Rogue One dealt with like the Force and Destiny and all this stuff that like, yeah, they were always supposed to be this group. It's that, about like, like it's about like hope and inspiring others, and this one is about like, yeah, it's just like one dude. grimy yeah. outlaws and in, in the Star Wars universe and like yeah, it's like it's about like doing what it takes to survive, which is kind of the yeah. opposite of yeah, which I really like that shift in the Star Wars universe. Um, and yeah, the new characters were. Eh, they were they were pretty good, uh, but Lando Han were fun to watch. Lando, I I heard that the performance was going to be great, and it was just kind of an impression. But then I liked I actually liked the performance. I liked it was the, fine. I liked Lando and Han. Han's performance. Han was great, way better than I expected to be. But yeah, and uh, with everybody dissing on him, yeah, I'm kind of on Chat's side about Lando, but I've been thinking about it, and I think what it is, I need to watch it a second mm-hmm. time. I've only seen it once. I have been following Donald Glover forever. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I know that his voice isn't like that. Right. So I think that's what's throwing me more than anything else. Because I know he's doing a voice. But he's not doing... So I think I'm in my head about that, and that's not necessarily fair. It's just, like, what I'm, like... No, no, no. I know what he sounds like. It's not yeah. like that. But he's I not think... doing a straight impression either. He's not doing right, a Billy right, Williams right. impersonation. He Which is, is why I think I need to give it another he's shot. He's just doing a little bit different than his normal voice because mm-hmm. his normal voice wouldn't make any sense in the, in the role. Right. No, Regardless of whether or not he's Lando, he, his normal voice doesn't fit in Star Wars. But I yeah. do think but, part of it is, I didn't really notice this until the end of watching it the second time, is that like the whole movie, it kind of sounds like he's doing like this performative like thing. Uh, and at the very end of the yeah. movie, it's like you, when he's you see like the panic in his eye when Han Solo walks up to the casino again. Uh, you see kind of that he is doing this performance. Yeah, like Lando yes. as the character is putting on this Lin- added thing. Lando is a con artist. That is right. like Lando's whole thing. He doesn't necessarily pull cons, but he's always like he's just he just oozes confidence and people just yeah. believe that he can do what he says he can do. Cause he looks like he can do whatever he says he can do. Yeah. He's, he's not as suave as like he wants you to think that he is. And I want to watch it a third time with that added context of like thinking yeah. about the character in that way. I agree with you, Chad. I think that's the piece that unlocks it mm-hmm. and me going back and watching it is um, yeah. going to help. Cause Donald Glover is great at everything he does. Yep. I also um, I've seen a couple episodes of Rebels, and I think his char- once you've seen his character in Rebels, which is around the same time period, it makes a little bit more sense in the movie gotcha. where he is just like a confident, just runs every room he's in. Right. Okay. I didn't know Lando was in uh, Rebels. He's in like a so. couple episodes here and there. That's cool. Um, yeah, I mean it's fun. Um, like 
I don't know. People are going to complain about oversaturation of Star Wars no matter what. Not um, me. Not me. People forget Holiday Special was literally the second Star Wars thing to come out. Like, that's what always blows my mind. There were also the two argument. TV shows of Star Wars in the 80s. Like, that's, there's the exactly. Ewok one. It's, what was the other it one? It literally has always been attempting to oversaturize. Droids, Chad. Like, droids? Oh, yeah, droids okay. and, droids and Ewoks. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like, I don't know. If they're making good to... If they're making okay to great things... I'll accept it. And Han Solo, or Solo, a Star Wars story, I put as number five of my Star Wars rankings above uh, movies that I love dearly. So, um, episode six it's and at episode six, three. It's at six for me and Mark. Yeah. So. Um, I will add it to my letterbox list after we record this so people can see that. <laughs> so people can see it. Cool. Um, I didn't have a Star Wars list before. I had to... Uh, create one for this um chad yes let's talk about your movie that you uh, chose so you picked fargo i did uh tell us your relationship this with this movie why you picked it Um, why you when you first saw it yeah well i saw another i mean i saw oh brother where art thou was the first coen brothers movie i saw I saw that years ago, like I was a kid, uh, before I like Same, really like probably. knew yep. to like follow directors or even like think about movies that way. Um, I'd love to see the data on it. What mm. people's first Cohen is, because I bet it is Oh Brother. Oh Brother for was a huge. lot of people. Yeah, and it's it was it's a really like it's accessible a, comedy. Like it's just it's hilarious. Yes. Um, like it's ones our parents probably would enjoy, mm-hmm. where they might not as enjoy some of these other ones. And it's like I know it's PG thirteen, but it's like relatively family friendly. Yeah, which is the other benefit for it. Whereas a lot of Cohen so, is kind of like Fargo is not family friendly. Right. Um, I don't remember when I saw Fargo. I feel like it was either late high school or like freshman year of college. Probably like freshman year of college, but uh, it like immediately just jumped to like favorite movies of all time. I just loved the weird, weird tone of this movie, where it's like equal parts like feeling lighthearted but like so bloody and violent and so like dark like yeah lots of people die in this movie and um Mm -hmm. it just but like aesthetically most of the time it just feels happy because of the voices and setting mostly Um, also like most noir and crime movies are like visually dark like yeah noir is like set in shadows and in back rooms and this is like snow and it starts off with like a pure white sheet of Mm -hmm. snow and it has shots like that over and over again Mm -hmm. another interesting thing about this movie that like i've always loved about it is like for the first half hour of the movie you don't see the protagonist like uh we're gonna talk about that she's just she's just not there you start looking at like the the criminals and like the crime that's happening. And then you meet the cop who's going to like fix everything really. interesting. And that'll be my question of like, is she the protagonist then? Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah, I, I think I saw this in college. Um, it definitely was like I watched a bunch of Cohen stuff and then went back to this. Yeah. Like I, I had already seen no country and, Watching No Country and then going back to this is interesting because they have a lot of similarities. It's interesting. Um, it's 
also fascinating to me that this comes out before Big Lebowski mm-hmm. um, because this feels like a more confident, more quote unquote mature movie. Right. Um, Lebowski was their next one, or do they? Lebowski's the next, the next like two one, years later, which is like uh, three, three. No, it comes out in '98. I was trying to remember what year yeah. it came out, and it was throwing me. Um, That's crazy. Or maybe it's '97. It may literally be the next year. Um, I'm on they it. just had but to like laugh for a year after like this one, I guess. I don't know. Well, and so that's kind of the interesting uh, thing with Coen's. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they make one kind of dark movie, and then they'll do one kind of like zany comedy. It was ninety eight? Like ninety eight. Okay. Um, and so that that's kind of the cool thing that they do mm-hmm. is they like go dark, then go funny. I have a hot take, and I'm trying to figure out if I should reveal it now or wait till the end. Uh, now that you brought it up, just to go ahead and say it now. The Coen brothers are what I wish Quentin Tarantino was. Okay. Um, because they have a lot of similarities, yeah. especially within this movie. Oh, this yeah. movie was the one that really, I was like, oh, like, the the Coens are super successful, yeah. and they were making movies before Tarantino. Mm-hmm. But I think Tarantino definitely helped them. Um, yeah. his, his movies existing helped them. Um, like when the first gun goes off in this movie and there's like a lot of blood, uh, yeah. all I thought about was Tarantino. It was a very like Tarantino effect. And it's very much playing with humor and weird tone while still being dark subject matter. Right. But they go in a lot of different places than Tarantino yeah. does. And their My movies have with more Tarantino, variety, yeah. Yeah, exactly. My complaint with Tarantino is like, okay, he's kind of doing his same tricks over and over again. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the Coens like evolve, get interested in different mm-hmm. things, um, and they also make they will make straight comedies as well. Right, which Tarantino doesn't. You know, like he he's always in the middle ground and won't yeah. like experiment one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Tarantino. Um, I. Th- the Coens I like a lot more though. Yeah, they're some of my favorite uh, filmmakers, the Coens. Yep. Uh same Z's. Mark, when did you first see this movie? I first saw this um like sophomore year of college. Um so I don't know where it falls in the Coens that I've seen. Probably like second or third. I know I saw or at least I saw parts of O Brother when I was a kid. Uh and then right. I think I I think I watched Um No Country before this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm honestly not that well versed in Cohen's. I I recently watched Hill Caesar and um, Miller's Crossing, and I really like both of those. Um, and yeah. re- revisiting this, I think I got it or got what they were trying to do with it a lot more than the first time. Mm. Right. I need to revisit their or not revisit. I need to visit their old stuff. That's a complete blind spot to me. Blood yeah. Simple, Miller's Crossing. Barton Fink. Raising Arizona? I need to see Barton Fink. Raising Arizona is a fucking masterpiece, (laughs) and I love that movie. That movie's so good. Have you seen that one, Mark? No. Holy shit. Like, I'm not exaggerating. It's so good. Nicolas Cage steals a baby, and that's the plot of the movie. (laughs) Like, it's so good. Um, Yeah, no, that's one of my favorite movies. looks like Joe Dirt steals a baby. Yes, it's so good. Sounds great. Um, I think the only Cohen movie that I don't love that I've seen, Hell Caesar's kind of 
in between for me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's Caesar. not bad. It's a lot of fun. But, but it's yeah. pretty good. It's fun. Mm-hmm. But there's moments where I'm like, eh. It's like a straight um, comedy. That's the one I was referring to as a straight comedy. I would say um, a Big Lebowski is also a straight comedy. I don't... And that's the one... I don't like Big Lebowski. I need to revisit it. Man. That's another one of those that I saw before I really understood the Coens. Same the only one the, I don't uh, really country. like is uh, a serious man, which I've gotten which I have not seen crap for, but I've not seen. That's the Book of Job, so yeah, it, uh, it's, I guess, but not really. Supposedly, yeah. that that that's that's what I've heard no, like about it, it is, but it's uh, I don't like it. <laughs> okay, I don't like the Book um, of Job. <laughs> too sad. <laughs> it is pretty sad, and the movie's uh, pretty know, sad. But um, so do we want to talk about the movie? No. No, okay, let's talk about the TV show a little bit. Yeah, Martin um, Freeman uh, plays a guy. He basically plays the Jerry, Jerry character in this, but he does a lot of different stuff. So, have you guys seen the TV show? I have not. The TV show rules. I haven't seen season three. I've mm-hmm. seen the first two. I think one is amazing. Other people claim two is better. I'm not sure, but I watched it in weird chunks. Uh, but it did give us Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst as a married couple Ooh. now. Like, they're married in real life now. Oh. Which Wait, is really? Like, yes. I didn't know that. <laughs> yes. That's so good. Which is insane. Speaking of, speaking of married couples, uh, Francis McDormand and Joel Cohen. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so the Fargo TV show is very good. I just would recommend it. It's not super connected to the... Like it's not an adaptation of. It's the movie in the same all. universe. I think it's in. It canon. is in the same universe. The yeah. money that appears later has like a little bit of an arc in the uh, first season. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I was reading about um, that. So, let's talk about the movie. Cool. Jerry. I was also going to say that there was another ahead. TV show. Well, they tried to. Yeah. They they shot like a pilot for it and then just released it like in a showcase, which. I wish this still existed today. It was like a failed pilot's It's called Brilliant But Cancelled, yeah. It had Edie I, Falco as Marge, which I think is really interesting. It's good casting. The person who directed it? Fucking crazy. Do you know Mark? Um, I knew it when I was reading it. It's Kathy Bates. It's Kathy Bates, Kathy Bates? was the director of it, yes. It's weird. Is she in um, like any of the seasons of Fargo? Because I feel like she could be. No, but she I wish be? she would do that instead of American Horror Story. Also, that weed again. show on Netflix that she did. The oh yeah, one where the she's, Chuck the Lore. sitcom where she's um, yeah. It's called weed. Disjointed. Disjointed. That's joint, what it is. Joint. Joint. Yeah. Disjoint. Back, you get it? I get it. Um, Back before I was married, I had a roommate who was watching that, and I walked in and I was like, "Why are you watching this?" And he said, "I don't know." <laughs> It's pretty bad. <laughs> Which I think is how most people stumble on the yeah. show. Anyway, I wish that existed now, where what, all disjointed? the pilots that don't get picked disjointed up. Disjointed does exist no. now, Cody. No, I know. Uh, no, actually, it got canceled. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I follow news for Disjointed pretty closely, <laughs> and I would watch every trailer that came out because it blew my fucking mind. Um, Academy no, Award th- winning Kathy Bates? Misery? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure yeah. she won for it. Um disjointed brilliant but canceled i wish that still existed because there's a lot of pilots you hear Mm -hmm. that like just don't get like i want to see the how i met your father pilot Mm. a lot i do too especially now that greta gerwig is yeah academy award nominee can you imagine if she did that instead of ladybird no like thank god it got canceled because of that but still that would have been insane yeah also why wasn't that picked up 
that was so insane that it didn't get picked up because that seemed like a surefire yeah. like pickup. I mean, the first one was very successful. The pilot must just be bad because like. I've heard it's great, though. I wonder if they're, like, full season. If, like, I feel like people turned on How I Met Your Mother pretty hard after that finale. finale was I think that's what it was. Yeah, I think that fucked it up. Anyway, Fargo. Don't make me talk about the finale for the third episode in a row. (laughs) (laughs) It does come up. It's a pain spot for us. Um, It just felt like such a betrayal of the audience. I'm still mad about that. I think I've said this on every episode. The actual ending makes a lot of sense. Where they fucked up is yeah, making the, the entire season, season about what it is. Is like yes. leading to this thing that like, oh, actually, but forget all that. But, but those but two people actual, get divorced, and then these right, two people get together. Right. The the moment they were heading towards made the most sense based on the pilot right. and where the show had gone. Yeah, anyway. but it makes the entire show a lie. Yeah, they should have scrapped everything they shot back in two thousand five. Scrap all that right. and make a new ending because. The, the show evolved. evolved. It turned into something else. It wasn't anyway, the show. Anyway, we had a podcast coming out called How, <laughs> How I Met Your Podcast. Yeah. Uh, where, where we, we go episode by episode. dunk on How I Met Your Mother <laughs> and talk about Damn, how. Damn, I kind of wish that existed. Um, also, the finale of Lost is great. So Very good. The, Very good finale. No, it actually is. No, it's a really good send-off for all the characters. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. It actually makes uh, a lot of narrative sense. I've never uh, seen They weren't dead the whole time, guys. They were dead and when they They were when only split, dead in the last the flash season. Why don't people the, understand that? Yeah. <laughs> they weren't dead as soon as they hit the island. Yeah. I, um, well, it was the images after the credits of the empty island with the wreckage. That's what tricked people into thinking... That's and that was a mistake on ABC. Leave Damon part. Lindelof alone. The Leftovers is one of the best shows ever made. Hey, he's Watchmen's doing great. Gonna be good. He's doing great. Like he's, he's just high. not good in movies. TV. He makes good TV. Right. right. Anyway, so Fargo. <laughs> um, shout out to my brother who walked me through episode by episode as that show came out. Every episode of Lost, I only saw the first two seasons, and from there, I got a daily, a weekly recap from James Wallington. <laughs> I really wish you would watch that show though, Mark. Because I, I really do. Here's think the thing: like it. I have every episode spoiled for me. It would practically be rewatching that show. I don't know. Spoilers don't really matter if the show's good. Yeah. I don't know. I believe it's good. I like The Leftovers. Leftovers is very good. Um, Mark's also on Westworld now, but we're not doing our Westworld cast. But I, Jonathan Nolan I'm, is also good, guys. First of interest. Yeah. A couple good seasons in there. Yeah, I like yeah. the first two seasons. I watched, I watched the pilot yeah. and thought it was good, and then I was you like, know what else is a good CBS show? Uh, ba- makes it hard to watch. Bates Motel was also a good show. Uh, Carlton Coos, also executive producer on Lost, uh, went on to make that. I watched the first two seasons of that. It's, I never it's pretty good. Um, maybe, should Abrams, we have though? a TV podcast? Maybe. <laughs> but we should talk about Fargo, though. <laughs> we should talk about should Fargo. Do. The TV show? The TV show? No. On our new TV podcast? No. <laughs> Called Best. My favorite, uh, guys. Let's best talk shows? About my favorite <laughs> best, films. best in shows. Of 1996. Um, what are you looking up, Chad? I said let's talk about my favorite film of 1996, Fargo. Okay. So Jerry Lonengard, played by William H. Macy, um, who I don't think I've seen in a ton of stuff. My fiance is super <laughs> into the TV show. Fuck. Um, Shameless, mm-hmm. um, which he's in. Um, I watched a bit of that. I can't get into it, but people love it. He's also um, in the second season of I've Newsroom. S- he's in ER a little bit, I think. Yeah, I don't... He's in movies more, but I haven't seen him in a 
in movies that I'm super aware of him being in, if that makes sense. I constantly uh, get him confused with John Michael Higgins, who plays Wayne Jarvis, the lawyer in uh, Arrested Development, the no-nonsense lawyer. Mm. I constantly yeah. get him confused. Mm. They don't look that much alike, but I don't know. No, and they play very different characters yeah. all the time. But Yeah. Um. So, yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um, so oh, he's Jerry a, is I know him from Sahara. That's where I know him from. All right. I'm nope. D- nope. Different guy. Steve Zahn. <laughs> oh shit. Oh no. Steve Zahn's <laughs> in nothing you do. He's um he's the admiral in Sahara. Oh okay. Mark's a real Sahara stan. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a sa- Mark's gonna launch his own Sahara cast where he just don't talks fucking about tempt me. <laughs> Mark, I promise you, before this podcast is canceled, we'll talk about by our network right. who definitely exists and who will cancel us. Um, we're gonna talk about <laughs> Sahara at some point. We'll find some ass backwards way for you for us to like legitimize talking about it. Um, it's also in anyway. Nights. We'll, we'll see William H. Macy next week, next year. Not next week. We got 96 to go through. Yeah, also, a new so episode isn't coming out next week. Yeah, Mark. It's your time to watch the movie. I corrected myself. I said next year. Um, okay. So, Jerry's a car salesman. He's desperate for money. He took out a loan using fake collateral, claiming that he had a bunch of cars as the collateral, mm. and he didn't. Um, and now he has to pay it back. Boy, I'm glad Space. you caught on to why he has he needs that money. Well, the uh, people are calling. Wikipedia told me because I straight up didn't oh. like. I had a hard time figuring out why. Well, the people are just, calling it, him asking for the serial numbers, and that's like. Yeah, um, but like it seemed like he had been borrowing money and asking for for money from a bunch of people, but it never was really clear about why he needed that money. Was it just to build yes. that parking lot? No, he just was spending money, I think. I think yeah. he just took out loans okay. to spend money. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what and I And now figured. he had to repay mm-hmm. the loans yeah. back. Um, so based on a tip from his buddy, Shep Proudfoot, he reaches out to two criminals. Um, Gayer? I don't know how to pronounce his first name. It's G-A-E-A-R. Let's call him Gar. Um, Gar Grimsrud. Um, I'm going to use the last name. Grimsrud and Carl Showalter. Um, played by Peter Stormare and uh, Steve Buscemi, who we know from the meme of "What's Up, Fellow Kids." Uh, that's Steve Buscemi's also best from, role. Uh, well, he he was in a scene in Pulp Fiction, so bad example. Right. Um, and you don't recognize him because he plays Buddy Holly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Peter Stormare. Um, he's in American Gods. I know he's in a lot of stuff, who but I don't American really Gods? like. Uh, he he's the like uh the dude with the hammer. Um, I actually may have that completely gotcha. wrong, and I would be really embarrassed if I got that wrong. Um, but anyway, he th- I mean they're 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 actors. I I don't think either. I mean Buscemi of course was kind of big at this point, but um, you know not necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, everyone else. By yes, the way, he he is the hammer guy. Yeah. Um, William H Macy is even less of like. Right now he's like recognizable, but back then mm-hmm. he had to like beg for this part. He was like a theater guy. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Was he part of the? Is it Steppenwolf that Billy Bob Thornton, the no. theater that he runs? I don't think so. No. Was the villain in Justice League? No, um, <laughs> it's a real thing. He was in like Mammoth plays and stuff on Broadway. Okay, gotcha. Um, so he, he reaches out to these two criminals to kidnap his wife and hold her for ransom right. because 
His father-in-law has money, and the plan is for them to <laughs> split the ransom money. Which, like, the criminals immediately call him out for uh, how, like, shitty a plan this is and how shitty a person he is. Like, why don't you just ask your right. wife for the money? Or why don't you just ask him for the money? And, right. Uh, <laughs> and he, it, it's basically his pride, yeah, it's right? 100%. Like, he doesn't really have a reason. Well, but also his, I mean, we see his father-in-law. His father-in-law wouldn't have given the money. But he probably would have to the wife, right? Is kind of the thought so process. I don't think his wife would have given him, would have asked for her, her dad for that money, though. No, because I think they were probably fine before he started making these bad deals. But yeah, but I, I, yeah. I think that they're like, oh, this guy can't handle his money. Let's not give mm-hmm. him more money. Yeah, it feels, it feels mostly like a pride thing. Yeah, like yeah, who knows? Um, but Jerry almost calls off the kidnapping when. He thinks that he's going to go into a business deal with his father-in-law, but his father-in-law just wants to pay him a finder's fee right. and not be in business with him. Mm-hmm. Which, um, like, I couldn't really figure out what this deal was for. So he wanted to buy a lot of land, um, both a lot and like one mm-hmm. lot of land, um, to build a like a parking lot. Yeah, which like. He wanted the father-in-law to just pay him, to give him the money to pay for it. And the father-in-law just wanted to sort of go over him and pay for it and give him a finder's fee because that makes sense. (laughs) Yes, that's how business works. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, his frustration in the scene is pretty funny and fun to watch. William H. Macy is very good in Mm. this movie. Um, But it also makes a lot of sense that when they make the Fargo TV show, they cast Martin Freeman. Like, they're Mm -hmm. not playing the same character, but they're playing similar roles. Yeah. And it works pretty perfectly. Mm -hmm. Um, So Grimsrud and Carl do kidnap Jane. Um, And so they're taking her to their cabin on Moose Lake when they're stopped by a patrolman for not having tags. Because Jerry let him use a car, so it just has the A car that he had stolen from his work. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the patrolman kind of hears Jane in the like trunk or in the backseat or wherever she is. So Grimsrud just like kills him. Like that's yeah. his first instinct is to just kill the patrolman. But then a car like drives by and there's two people who are like staring at the bloody cop while um, Steve Buscemi is like trying to hide the body. So Grimsrud chases those two people down mm-hmm. and also kills them. So body counts at three hours. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, this is like a half hour of the movie so far has happened. So far. And then now we are introduced to the police chief, Marge Gunderson, mm-hmm. played by Francis McDormand, um, from that horrid movie from last year. Um, um but guys, <laughs> Francis McDormand is a national treasure. And no, she's very good. This character um, is like one of my favorite characters in cinema, Marge. Yeah, yes. I love this character as well. No, and she won an Oscar for it, and it's deserved. Yes. Um, this is also her sixth role in a Coen Brothers movie. This is also the sixth Coen well, yeah, Brothers movie. Yeah, because she's sleeping with the director. <laughs> oh, that's how you got to get anywhere in this, in this oh, climate. Right. No, they love each other very much, and they're still yes. together. And it's she's, not in, she's not in every single one of them. Not though, anymore. Not she? anymore. But she, she at like, the time she had after been. reading and like mm-hmm. she, she pops up in a yeah. quite a bit, and, and it's not always a, a huge role, but right at, at this time, at this time she had like mostly been in Cohen Brothers stuff. Mm-hmm. Got it, got it. Um, so 
She's now in the case. She follows her lead. She checks in with prostitutes that the two criminals had slept with mm-hmm. in a pretty fun scene. Um, the, the Then she discovers that they had called Shep Proudfoot and that the car had come from Jerry's lot. Um, Proudfoot uh, feigns ignorance, as does Jerry. Mm-hmm. Um, also, while in Minneapolis, she goes to dinner with an old high school friend who... Oof claims that his wife had died and he's sad and lonely. Yeah. This scene is kind of weird and out of place to me. Like, it has very little to do with the rest of the movie. So do you know I, what I mean? I, I was reading about it, and they said that they put it in, basically, so it developed Marge outside of the police work. Yeah. And Wikipedia claims that this interaction helps her realize... Something later on, the movie doesn't make it clear that it okay. does, but basically, he's, I, he's lying about this. Can I just say how I'm reading the scene? Please. And see if it sure. like matches up with this? Because yeah. I'm kind of reading it as like, because she like, you know, makes herself up and like looks all nice to like see this guy that she hasn't seen in years. And she probably is like trying to make it look like her life is all good and like mm-hmm. that... Uh, She's definitely not trying to like hook up with the guy. He's trying to hook no. up with with her. Right. She pretty right. clearly is not trying to hook yeah, up with this guy. Yeah, so that happens. But she's like maybe like exploring, seeing what like his life was like, and seeing like, oh, could my life have been better? And then by the end of this interaction, realizing like I've got a very good life, and um, I love my husband very much. And like she was never gonna do anything, but like she had this curiosity of like, yeah, there was a future where we could have been together. What could that have been like? Interesting. I mean, that's a good read on it. Um, what the internet claims mm-hmm. is that her realizing that he's lying because his his wife isn't dead and she's not actually his wife. Apparently, right. like he has yeah. a girlfriend or whatever. Yeah, that happens. Yeah, on it the was phone like a girl that later. he was like obsessed with. Right. Um, and so her thinking, like feeling bad for him, and realizing how convincing he is here. Mm-hmm makes her realize that Jerry, even though he seems pitiful, it also could be lying, is what Wikipedia oh, claims. I don't get that from the movie really well, at all. I guess she, but she it makes sense. drives away from the encounter and she's just like thinking as she's driving. I think she stops and gets like a burger or something at a fast food place. And then she drives right. back to Twin City. Is that what it is? Twin City? And uh, No, he's called? in Minneapolis. He's in Minneapolis. Minneapolis right. is one of the Twin Cities. Oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. It's Minneapolis we don't and St. Paul. Shit. I don't know the Midwest at all. But um, I only know this because of the Twins. They're a baseball team out of the Twin Cities. Oh, that's what that's about. Mark I don't know sports. like sports sometimes. Hey, fuck you. I like sports. <laughs> I like the Dodgers. We almost won the World Series, but then we didn't. Okay, I say stop. we now. Um, stop, 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 stop. This isn't an anti-sports podcast, but it is Welcome anti- to the Sports Zone with Mark Wellington and Chad Oliver. This week on Sports Zone, talking about Florida. Oh, the Braves came back and beat the Mets while we were recording this podcast. Oh, shit. That seven, hey, you guys hear about One LeBron James? He's doing some... Fuck. Uh, he's... Uh, hey, this hey, isn't a intern bit. Cody? I'm trying to remember intern what Cody? I'm just going to let Cody hang out to dry here, see, see what <laughs> he can pull out of his ass. So I think his team is in the championships again. <laughs> Which team is that? The Cavaliers. Okay. You're, you're, it's also, you're good so far. 
it's also the Warriors in the yes. championship, mm. and everybody is really bored by that because it happens all the time. Yeah, this is the third, maybe fourth year in a row where it's it's the Warriors and the Cavs in the in the championship. Which and is interesting, though, saying, because the Warriors won, and then the Cavs won, and then the Warriors won again, and they were like, wow, what a good trilogy. And now it's four, and everyone's like, all right, really? Right, and now people are saying LeBron is the new Michael Jordan, but it's like, hasn't he already been for a while? Like, I don't it's, know. It's, becoming more, and, it's becoming more and more clear that LeBron is, like, the the god of basketball. Like, is it he's statistically better than Michael Jordan, though? This, for real, is ignorance. I have no yeah. idea. Like, at this point, like, well, he's played more seasons than Michael Jordan has because, A, he because started younger, and B, and he didn't, he didn't lose all of his money <laughs> and have to go play baseball for a year in Birmingham. Um, anyway, this is the end of the Sports yeah, the Zone because I can tell that the listeners are bored. And this has been Sports Zone. <laughs> Chad was talking before this started um, about wanting his own segment, and he started the segment, but then gave it completely over to Mark. Yeah, I mean, I was just happy to have like uh, be a the segment? announcer voice, and, okay. Uh, okay, to okay. really so birth a, a segment out of my um, uh, heart. Um, right. Where were uh, we? So, so she was. She <laughs> so, went and so met with a high school friend, and he starts like right. crying about his dead wife. Oh, and, right. Uh, he tries to sit on the same side of the booth as her, and she's like, "I actually prefer it if you sit over there," which is just the best way to handle that which situation. Is, yeah. Hey, never sit like if if there are two people going to something, do not sit by me. If I was like sit across. If from I was me. married to a woman, I would still sit across from her because I like my fucking yes, space, dude. That's normal. Me and Olivia never sit on the same side unless we're going somewhere with another couple, and then we'll sit next yeah, to each other. Yeah, that's when you do it. We, we, right. What's funny, though, is that he sits next to her, and she's like, can you not? And he's like, right. oh, sorry. And he's like, she's like, oh, I just wanted to like see your face and like yeah, plays it off she, so she well. She plays it off at no She plays really it off polite but stern, and uh, he apologizes like seven times, and it's great. Yes. I'm so fierce with my side of the booth thing that if I go with – people who are my friends Ooh, if there's an odd number there's of three of us i make it like i do it to mark and <laughs> you Leela sit on the, the end of the booth so they can't get in no or? no i i'm like no the booth's mine you guys can sit on the other side or in the chairs <laughs> like i straight up always sit by myself it, like it's a known fact that they make fun of me for but it i mean it's a hey i don't know you like your space I, um, I like my space. So I was going to – so Cody was saying that he thinks that the reason for this was – or he read that the reason for this is because it tells her that Jerry's lying. Chad says that um, it's so that she can realize that she's happy in her life. I don't necessarily buy either of those because, mm-hmm. A, yep. um, I I never get the idea that she might be unhappy in her life. Yeah, she – I agree. She seems to be like – like very happy with her husband Norm, um, yeah. Who Norm is a good name for him because he's just a very normal guy. Um, John Carroll Lynch, by the way, love him. Yeah, he's great. And then, but he, she gets this phone call from like an ex boyfriend, I think is what we're supposed to pick up on, or at least a friend uh, from high school. And I feel like there's some kind of curiosity of like what could have been, but then that's just immediately next, and it's just like. The nope. thing is, though, from that See, from that phone yeah, call, I, I feel never... like she barely remembers him. Yeah, hmm. I think it for real is just like he's a high school friend and she's being nice and going to dinner. Like yeah. I for real don't think she ever 
thinks about any of it. I think mm-hmm. she's just like, ah, okay. Yeah. Um, like, but I also don't necessarily believe that she thinks that Jerry is lying because of that. Yeah, no, I, I mean, telling you, that's just what I read. When I watched it, I was like, oh, this is just a one-off scene. Mm-hmm. And a, I kind of think it's just that. It feels like it. I can maybe see how, like, after test audiences, they were like, oh, we need to know how, how she, why she went back there. Um, but to me, this just feels mm-hmm. like a, yeah. a really good scene in the middle of this movie that isn't really thematically or plot-related tied mm-hmm. to anything else. But yeah. but it is a fantastic scene, and the yeah. actor who is playing the dude is phenomenal. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jerry is gathering the ransom with his father-in-law. He is, so Jerry's telling the father-in-law that it's a $1 million ransom, um, and that the kidnappers will only deal with him. But what him and Carl and Grimsrud had like talked about was that it was going to be 80 grand and they were going to get 40 of it. Right. So he's like lying to get more money, which like a lot sense. more money. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now because of the murders and because they're on the lamb and stuff like that, Carl is now demanding the full 80 grand, mm-hmm. but Jerry acts like that's a huge deal, which like, it's not just do it. I like at that point, just be like, okay, like uh, we'll, we'll do it mm-hmm. because like you're, you're making so much like it's, I mean, it ties into kind of what the theme of this movie becomes is like, it's all ridiculous over a pretty small mm-hmm. amount of money. Yeah with the 40 grand is pretty small um so proudfoot gets mad that he has been put under suspicion so he finds carl and beats him up while he beats the shit out of him yeah um kind of a fun scene steve buscemi's naked and being like thrown around fun uh, and pretty difficult to watch though at the same time yeah oh yeah, yeah 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 not easy to watch but it's like steve buscemi plays everything so big yeah um that it's kind of like funny. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's play for laughs. Yeah. Um, but then there's also just like blood, and it just looks like it really hurts, and it's like. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> yeah. It's, not. it's just the whole movie though. It's like it's got blood, but it's also like it feels like it's borderline played for laughs half the time, and. Right. It, even like the horrific scene of uh, Lundegaard's wife getting kidnapped, like it starts off kind right. of funny with the one of the two criminals walking up to the window and peeking through, like trying yes, to see. Yes, and she, she just stares at him She just stares at, at him with this funny look on her face. And then she starts screaming and running through the house. And it's she horrifying. She bites one of them's finger. Yeah, right, right, horrifying, right. but equal parts funny. And right. it's really interesting balance of tone. Right. Um, Carl is now very stressed out because of all the shenanigans going on. And he demands the money immediately. Uh, Jerry's father-in-law is stubborn and demands on making the drop himself. Um, After a heated exchange, which includes Carl being shot in the cheek, Carl kills the father-in-law and takes the money and is shocked to discover there's a million in the briefcase. Because Jerry's father-in-law insisted on going, Mm -hmm. Jerry wasn't able to pull the other money out. Yeah. And so now um, Carl has the million dollars. He he takes out the eighty thousand that he's going to split with Grimsrud, and then he buries the rest of the money in the snow. It's and, and how Mar- could he ever find it again? Well, he marks it with like a tiny little marker. Right. Um, yeah, he that wants to make sure no one else can over. find it. Right, yeah. like theoretically, 
maybe he could find it again, but it wouldn't be easy. Mm-hmm. But he never does. Um, because back at the cabin, uh, Grim's Rudd has killed Jean. We don't really know how. And Jean is she started Jerry's screaming. wife. And he just killed her. There's like blood um, everywhere. Which, so that ransom wouldn't have gone well. Um, Carl's like, shit, we need to flee immediately. Grimsrud and then Carl argue about who gets to keep the car, Mm -hmm. which again, this is another moment of the person who has the more money not being happy enough with what they have. And so So he's like, no, I get the car. I get the car. They argue. He runs out to kind of just go take the car and Grimsrud comes up behind him and kills him with an ax. Um, over the car, which yeah. like you have a million dollars, why is that your sticking forty point? grand, which is right. still basically yeah. a million? Dollars. You have you have nine hundred thousand six nine nine hundred sixty thousand dollars. Yep, that's insane, and you couldn't just yeah. give the car away. Yeah, a car which is worth what like five? ten grand at most yeah. in the nineties, maybe like closer to. And you're like only paying for grand, half of that. Right, and also, but it wasn't like a nice car yeah, either, which yeah. is why it's like, yeah, probably close to five. Um, so Marge returns to question Jerry, who is insistent about the cars not being missing, and she's like, "Look, can you just like check?" And then she sees him <laughs> fleeing the dealership, which is yeah. a hilarious scene. Um, very funny. Well, very she funny. she's just asking like, "How do you know that it wasn't stolen?" He was like, "Fine, I'll go count them right now." And she's like, "Oh, that's nice." And then he just leaves. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. And so she's like, ah, he's fleeing, he's fleeing. She calls the state police uh-huh. on him. Um, but then she goes up to Moose Lake based on a tip about a funny-looking guy, which is what they've kind of been saying about Steve Buscemi the whole time. And he's like, he's, he's, like, he's funny-looking. He's funny-looking, but not the way that most people are funny-looking. Yeah. Yeah, and which like, is the, the only descriptor they have, and people are like, honestly, and Marge is like, what? Best descriptor of Steve Buscemi? I mean, Probably. yeah, but like, but it's still not it, helpful. It's such a nothing descriptor, but like, if you're gonna describe Steve Buscemi, it's like, yeah, the funny looking guy. Well, well, it's one of those things where if somebody gives you that description, you're like, well, that's not helpful. But the mm-hmm. instant you see that person, you're like, oh, I, that I might be yeah. the funny looking guy, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so she just so she basically just lucks into it, which is another interesting thing about this. Like, there's no like crazy mm-hmm. clue. She just like drives by and sees the car and is like oh shit um so she like goes up to the cabin she stumbles upon grim's rud putting carl's dismembered body in the wood chipper um yep putting a body in a wood chipper piece Um, by piece i think yeah piece by piece he's working on the leg when she gets there Mm -hmm. the little sock foot sticking up which is like the like he he's also like trying to figure out how to shove it in there without putting his hand in there so he like grabs like a a piece of a log and starts pushing yeah. that in there. And then he like turns right. and sees her and he's like, Oh shit. Cause yeah, it's an insane scene. This is another scene that's like halfway played for laughs. Cause she starts like shouting at him like police and he cannot hear her over the sound of the wood chipper. And he's just going, Oh, about his this business is and definitely played for laughs. Yeah. I would say like a hundred, but like this yeah. is another example of something that is gruesome as all hell. Like yeah, literally right. mulching a body. All that is played for laughs. Snow. And yeah, there's so much red snow, and there's mm-hmm. just blood spewing everywhere. And it's just They're, like, it's funny that he's putting a leg in a wood chipper and can't hear her. Yeah. The Coens are very good friends with Sam Raimi. <laughs> so, like, it makes sense yeah. that they, it's a similar sense of humor. Yeah. Um. So, he, he tries to run away, but Marge shoots him in the leg, mm-hmm. and, like, so he doesn't get away. Uh, then the state police arrest Jerry in a hotel. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they do end up capturing Jerry. Um, I, for whatever reason, thought the movie kind of just like fizzled out here originally. Like I was like, oh, I don't think they ever catch Jerry. And I think this no, is just do. it. Like I thought it. So really the only plot thread left hanging is the money. Right. Um, in the middle of the, which is barely yeah, even a plot thread left hanging. That's such a Coen Brothers thing. Like the same thing happens in Hail Caesar. All this importance is put on a briefcase of money that just gets dropped in the ocean, never to be seen again. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that's what happens in No Country for Old Men. Also, yeah, there is some money that goes missing in that, isn't there? Right, and I can't remember if they ever find it. Like yeah. that's what I don't remember about No Country for Old Men. But that one is also about a briefcase. Yeah, Brolin. I've only seen it once. I love the movie, yeah. but Brolin like drops it near the border or something, or I don't something remember like what that. happens yeah. to it. Same thing happens in Pulp Fiction. No, that I mean, there's had, just a briefcase. Well, that's full not about. That had yeah, a light bulb full inside of something. that briefcase. It had a what? A light bulb. Oh right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Not not money. Okay, um, I just had an idea. Right. Yeah. yeah, wasn't that what some people claim? What was the other thing? Oh, his soul. Yeah, uh, Wallace's soul through the back of his neck because he has a Band-Aid back there, which is Ugh, I hate, pretty dumb. I hate, <laughs> I, I love theories. I hate film theories, though, at the same time. I love them and hate them. You love them a lot I more than I do. I love them when I come up with them and can, like, <laughs> and fight like, hard for them. I'm currently watching West Wing and like reading reviews for it as I watch it. Um, and one of the reviews I read, West like, World, West World, sorry, West World, yeah, West, West World. World. <laughs> it was about to be very confusing like, when Mark is like, going back the puzzle box of West Wing. <laughs> Look, it's not, it's not President f- Bartlett. Like, it's my fault for loving West Wing, watching West World and Wormwood at the same time. It is tricky. <laughs> right, 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 um, right, but right. I was like reading reading uh, theories about what's going to happen at the end of the first season of. Uh, Westworld, and I was like, "This yes. seems dumb and a, a like a huge stretch." And then I watched the finale, and I was like, "Huh, they were right." Well, Westworld is one where the internet like got it pretty close, which I don't think is a detriment to the show. I think that's I think it's people, actually uh, really cool of the show that they can they can lay hints that like yes. like the 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 twist of Westworld is so like huge, like it is yes. genuinely a huge twist. This this finale twist of this first season of Westworld. Yes. Um, Turns out it was the future and the cowboys were robots the whole time. <laughs> nope, yeah. you know that from the beginning. Uh, I haven't seen Who it, knew? So. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely know that from literally the first minute. Um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right, uh, Mark, uh, which to go on another one of my soapboxes, people think if they predict something in a movie or a TV show, that makes the movie or TV show bad. And it doesn't. That's normally a sign of good writing. That means they're like, if it's easily predictable in a like cliche way, sure. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to figure it out based on good clues, they're Mm -hmm. writing and good story that they're telling you, that doesn't, there's a difference between that doesn't inherently make it mad. Bad. You, right. you can foreshadow an interesting twist, or you can yes. just not have an interesting twist, and those are right. very different ways of being predictable. Yes, that's basically what I mean. Um, anyway, so we're so close to the end of the guess. movie. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, so basically, the movie ends with Marge and her husband in bed mm-hmm. talking about his painting 
being chosen for a three cent stamp. Yeah. And that's kind of where the movie It's just like the ends. sweetest like, ending in the world. It's the sweetest thing because he's like, well, I could have had the 29 cent stamp. And she was like, well, people like the three cent stamp. It's helpful when you don't have the, the enough stamps. And he's like, yeah, I guess so. And it's just so. like, it's just her point of view is like, mm-hmm. well, we, we have what we have. And that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And it's like not to get this... cinema sins on you, Mark, but actually it was the thirty-nine cent stamp because thirty-nine cents is how much it used to cost, Boo. but then it upped to forty-one. Boo. All right, Cody, recently. you can sixty-nine um, cent my stamp. But <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> this scene coming after Marge's like kind of brief monologue in the squad car, where she just like. Is saying to uh, the criminal Gundon Gunderson, um, like, don't you know there's more to life than just a little bit of money? And then she she goes home to like like this is it like this is like what life is. It's like it's the little things. It's like the being proud of your husband and like it's just it's just great. It's I love it. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah like, like she specifically dr- says like all of that for a mm-hmm. little bit of money is the quote. Yeah, yeah. Like to her, day. like the reward, the reward is like being, it's like solving the the mystery, or mm-hmm. like just laying in bed with your husband and being ready to. She's she's pregnant the whole time as well. We yeah. have not even mentioned that. Two, oh yeah, oh yeah, two months. She's she's seven well, because months the pregnant. movie doesn't like yeah, super focus on it, which yeah. is what's cool. Yeah, the way it it's tells you that she's pregnant is that at one point, like when she first sees the body, she like bends over, and one mm-hmm. of the cops is like. What do you see? She's like, oh, I'm about to throw up. And you're like, mm-hmm. oh, the bodies are disgusting. She's like, mm, morning sickness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they really don't wallow in it, which is cool. Like, and this movie is like, it makes other movies frustrating because, like, this came out in 96. And mm-hmm. you've got this, like, w- female character who's, like, really competent in her job. And she didn't have to, mm-hmm. like, sacrifice. Like, she's got a very happy marriage and she's a very good wife. And she's just, like, the most competent character, and she's just, like, good at what she does. And, like, I don't know, like, how hard is it to, like, make a, like, well-rounded character that just, like, she can, like, have her career and, like, not sacrifice the family, or she can have the family and not have to sacrifice the career. It's like, how hard is that? (laughs) I mean, she's solving a seven-person statewide Mm -hmm. murder case. While pregnant. While seven months pregnant. Right. No, it's it's very good. But uh, so, so talking about Marge, the the movie ends with her, so it kind of makes you feel like she's the protagonist, but she doesn't show up until thirty minutes within the movie. Um, she doesn't necessarily have the arc of that. Like, I really don't know. The is thing she, is, so she won an Oscar for this. lead actress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I might would make, which I think is deserved, but I might would also say is category fraud a little bit because it kind of feels more like a supporting role. She's in it not that much. I mean, she just does a lot with the scenes she's in. She does have a pretty sizable role. Her and um, William H. Macy share the lead of this. Neither but them... she's above the title on the DVD, which mm-hmm. is crazy, and he's not at all. She was a bigger and name I would at the say time. he's the main character. She was I'd... a bigger name at the time, which is why she has the name I... above the title. I'd also right. disagree that he is the main character. I think that like once she's introduced, 
the screen time like of William H. Macy's character diminishes quite a bit. Yeah. And you see a lot of her. You still see him a bit. Uh, but he, he's getting less and less screen time and she's getting more mm-hmm. and more. Right. I, I, I think uh, probably the better argument is that they're both co-leads. Yeah, they absolutely. Are. They're both the main character. Yeah. But what's interesting um, is that neither of them really have an arc. Both of them right. are like, like William H. Macy is like, he's trying to get money the whole time. And mm-hmm. she is trying to solve the case the whole time. And it she's never right. like, oh, I should be content about where I am in my life. She just is. And he's never like, yeah. oh, I need to be less worried about money and care about my family more. Because he... Right, never he does right. changes. They just sort yeah. of both get what's coming to them based on their outlook of life and like the decisions they're making. Right. And like, that, that to me is a kind of a staple of a Coen Brothers movie. Like none of their characters are usually pretty static. And I mean, you guys can correct me. Mm-hmm. You guys probably have seen more of them than I have. But their characters are fairly static, and it's more about how they interact with the world than how they're influenced by it. Yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't correct you. I Mm -hmm. mean, I don't know for sure, but I'm thinking, I mean, Lewin Davis, he certainly doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Tommy Lee Jones' character doesn't really really. change in No Country, and neither does Josh Brolin's character. Certainly Javier Bardem's character doesn't change in No Country. No. True Grit, I don't really remember. I mean, Haley Steinfeld would have the most. Yeah, I guess she's like coming off. I haven't seen it in years, but she's coming off her like parents dying, and she's like sort of right. rewriting her life to like get it's some kind of revenge. It's been a long or time since I've seen True Grit, and I don't know if I've yeah. ever paid attention to the whole thing. So she would slow. She would probably be the exception to the rule if I had to name one off the top of my head. But, but also, yeah, that's I'll agree that like most characters stay pretty static in a Cohen movie. True Grit yeah. also isn't their story. True. True. Grit. It's an adaptation. Um, yeah, um, that's interesting. So I definitely, so I think their dual protagonist and then Peter Stormare and uh, Steve Buscemi are the antagonist for mm-hmm. both of them. Yeah, for both. Probably, that's interesting, yeah. Um, if you had to break it down. That's like that, really interesting because they're on like opposite ends of the spectrum, but then also like you've got these two criminals that are antagonists right. to both. That's like... Right. And structurally, this movie is fascinating. Well, yeah, because here's the thing, too. Um, Marge is the antagonist for Jerry. Mm-hmm. And Jerry is also the antagonist for Marge. Yeah. But they're the movie's protagonist. Mm-hmm. And they share the movie's an antagonist. antagonists. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's It's a little bit of a stretch to say that um, Stromer and uh, Bushimi are um, antagonists for William H Macy, but I no I they mean, are they though because they're causing the problems and they're mm-hmm. you know they, they were, were they like were really causing problems for him though they were accomplices other than that getting became the, antagonists when they started like fucking William up. H Macy started like making mistakes and then right yeah they turned into antagonists for him essentially yeah. But. It's yeah, you, it, it it's just ugh, I love this movie. It's a complicated, very good, very good um, movie. It 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 claims that it's based on a true event at the beginning of the movie. Um, which so, yeah, Mark, my understanding of this is that it's complete BS. But you looked in into interviews, this a more. they w- they would go on to say that like 
like the the basic crime was based off of real events, but like the like they made their own characters to exist around that crime, mm-hmm. and then right. people kept being like, "Was it this crime? Was it this one? Was it this guy that like paid someone to kill his wife? Was it this one with the wood chipper?" And then they, eventually they were like, "Look, we just fucking made it up, but we knew that if we said that it was based on a true story, people would believe it more." They would go gotcha. along with the crazy yeah. shit. Because, like, but I think they probably did hear crazy stories in passing, right? Like, yeah, I think that's what it is. But it was, but it was never is. like adapted from a story. They might have, they might have right. like heard about uh, someone hiding a body in a wood chipper. They might have heard about like um, killing a cop and then having to chase down the people that saw that happen. And they might have heard about right. someone paying someone to kidnap their wife so they get the ransom money. Yes. But they yes. might have compiled all of it. But it seems like they were like. All of this stuff is like hard to believe, but mm-hmm. believable if you know it's real. Right. Yeah. So, what do you guys think claiming that it's true adds to the movie, if anything? Well, I know the first time I saw it, I didn't know much about the movie. I just thought, oh, I'll put it in the Coen Brothers movie. I liked Our Brother or Art Thou. And right. uh, I was like, oh, true story. And that's cool. And then watching it unfold, I was just like, I, by the time the wood chipper scene was happening, I was just like, jaw open i cannot believe this happened <laughs> like surely this didn't happen and then i looked yeah. it up and saw some of these interviews and was like oh okay didn't like really so happen. so it really did add something to you yeah um, i was like actively thinking about this happened right i we've talked about before am such a horror movie person mm-hmm. and i watch even the bad horror movies yeah so the true story claim does nothing for me because I'm just like, eh, whatever. It, <laughs> like, it means nothing because of horror movies. Like maybe there was someone named Marge once. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, because uh, horror movies use that claim all the time. They also and like very rarely phrase, is it um, act- inspired by true events. Right, or, right, right, right. Yeah. And so anytime I see that, I'm like, oh, I don't what, I think what it unless, is, unless like I know that it's a real, actual story being adapted, I just tend to ignore yeah. it. Yeah, I think I, what it is in this movie is like it's the its claim at the beginning is this movie is based on true events. Everything in this movie actually happened. Only uh-huh. names and uh, dates or whatever have been changed. The fact yeah. that it was like making such a bold stance at the beginning, it was like uh-huh. said all those things. I was just like, oh wow, they really like. Because it says, like, out of respect of those involved, we have changed the names and... No, yeah, it, it says, says out of well, out of respect says, for the um, living, we've changed the names, and out of respect for the dead, we've left everything exactly as that happened. Yeah. so Which I think like is, that, is really they, fun. I think that's a, it, a cool way to say that. Yeah, uh-huh. they, they put that at every episode of the TV show. Right. Um, oh, that's which cool. is why, like, it gets stuck in my brain so much. And, like, none of that think, is based on anything true, right? The TV show, it's all... Completely made no, up. No, 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 no. It's all made up. Yeah. Um. I was trying to think. There was another th- something I watched recently that did a similar thing where they were like, all names have been changed. I mean, uh, fuck. It may have been series of unfortunate was it, events. Was it Law and Order? Right from no. The headline shit? Doesn't uh, Talladega Nights or one of those Will Ferrell movies make that joke? I think. Or so. I think it's Anchorman. Yes. I think it's uh, everything in this movie happened. Uh, the only thing that's been named is the the names, the dates, and the events, or something like that. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So it's like I yeah I don't really pay attention to that because it's like uh, whatever. Um. Okay. So. Um. T- t- so so the movie like fades to black a lot. 
mm-hmm. as transitions. Lots of dissolves and stuff throughout, yeah. What do you guys think about that? I don't like it that much. It makes it seem like it's a TV show a little bit. Westworld <laughs> has been doing it, <laughs> which Uh-oh. back on Westworld, which like for Westworld really bothers me because yes, it's a TV show, but also they don't have commercials, so it like makes me want to throw a fucking chair, <laughs> like because I'm like, why are you fading? Like, like nothing's this, happening. This movie will like fade to black, and then like the black is actually part of the next frame, and it'll pan down, and it's like actually nighttime and stuff like that. So, I don't know. I see, like, all these dissolves as just sort of, like, the slow passing, like, like in the Midwest, things are simpler and slower. I see it as sort of, like, thematically connected. uh, It didn't bother me at all, but... Yeah, there are a lot of, like, really long establishing shots as well, Mm -hmm. Um, and, like... Like, there was just a shot of a parking lot, and then you notice, like, one guy is walking across it, and that's William H. Macy, or... It's a beautiful shot, too. That that is a gorgeous shot. Um, and there's another shot. I mean, the opening shot is 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 just a car driving, but at first it's just mm-hmm. a white screen until a car kind of yeah. comes out of the snow. Yeah, you can, like, right. barely tell it's, like, actually exterior, like, scenery until yeah. you see the car. I thought it was going to be one of those spooky videos where you, like, follow the car driving in the forest and a scary man. <laughs> oh, goblin. Like, ah! I remember those. Those were fun. <laughs> They scared the shit out of me. Watching those on, like, Daily Motion or whatever before uh, YouTube was, like, the go-to. My dad showed me one of those, and his his office, he had a home office in our basement. And uh, back behind his office was, like, the storage room where we kept all our Sega tapes. And um, I... You had a Sega. We had a Sega Genesis. God, that feels predictable (laughs) in a way that I can't, like, articulate why. But you just said it, and I was like... Course. I love Sonic. I gotta go fast. <laughs> yeah, um, I guess so. But on, on the day of of this recording, the the casting for Bob in the Sonic movie Tom, was announced. Tom shows Tom, some respect. Sorry, Tom. Fool. Tom. Very sorry. Our favorite character, Officer Tom. <laughs> Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, Paul Rudd playing Tom, the cop in Sonic the movie. Uh, anyways, <laughs> he showed me his, that scary movie, and I was always scared to go into the storage room to get the Sega tapes because I thought a face was gonna jump out of the laptop and and get me. So Jesus. Yeah. Um, so Chad, yeah. you picked this movie. I did. You rewatched it. I did. did it hold up? What do you love about it? That sort of thing. Yeah. I've, I mean, I've watched this movie. This is probably like the fifth time I've watched it and it holds up every time. I just am. I, I love Marge as a character. We talked about her a lot. I love the weird, weird tone of this movie. There's just not a lot of movies like it it's weird that i say there's not a lot of movies that like balance this like cheerful and um like gruesome tone but then like last week we talked about a movie that balanced like comedy and gruesome horror in like an interesting way um but yeah i love both of those movies a lot for those reasons when you can like accomplish doing both so well it's like really impressive to me and then there's movies like deadpool that try to do like humor and superhero and, and they like, fail at both. Yeah, they, yeah, they end up like work. not really doing both particularly well. They make a fine movie, but not a five-star movie like Fargo. Right, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, I don't know if we're going to get into comparisons yet. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a really great movie with, like, a, I was going to say four amazing performances, but probably more than that. I mean, I think that everyone right. in this movie is so great. Uh, and the script is 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 really great. I mean, there's not really any wasted time. 
um, other than that one no. weird it, high school scene. But yeah, it's um, like a tight ninety minutes too. Yeah, it's like another it's part like, of this. No, it's, it's not. an hour and a half, Cody. It is. It not. is one hour and thirty five minutes. It is one hour and thirty five minutes. Longer. I'm looking it up because that does not seem right at it all. It is not more than an hour and 40. I, this is less than 100 minutes. It's an hour 38, but it... Uh, well, okay, so it feels long to me a little bit. It's a little bit slow, um, mm-hmm. but I think yeah. it's ju- that's just... I mean, there's, it's just a slowly paced movie, but it's mm-hmm. not... Mm-hmm. It doesn't, like, drag any, I don't think. There's never a no, time where I, I'm like, oh, this should... Something needs to happen. Because something is, yeah. like... Something is always happening. I my my like knock against it would just be like it's not always clear why things are happening or what like the whole loan mm-hmm. thing that we just like they why you know it just yeah. wasn't ever things weren't clear which like is fine I guess I just would have liked for it to be a little more like mm-hmm. okay so why is this happening um no I think it's very good too um I definitely paid attention to it more this time uh, when I watched that, obviously. Um, and like you guys said, the performances are really good. I kind of think it takes too long for Marge to show up. It's cool that they hold her off, but I'm a bit like, I, I'm i waiting for her, you know? Yeah, if, I think so I appreciate her showing up so much because like mm-hmm. we see all this evil and then it's just like you see this delightful cop who's... Uh, who uh, comes to like save the day and like save your feelings at the same time? Right. I'm I'm trying to remember how they do it in the show. It may for real be like not until the second episode when you see the cop, which mm-hmm. would be a similar thing. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's very good. Um, now though, um, we need to compare it to the current reigning champ of the best movie of 1996, uh, which was my pick, uh, Scream. Let's go with Chad. I was first. actually yeah. going to let Cody go first. Okay. Oh, well, I, I can go first. I think my pick's pretty obvious. Well, I think um, both yeah. of your picks are pretty obvious, to be fair. Because, <laughs> yeah, Fargo, if you look on my letterboxd, it, along with Before Sunrise, is in those like top four slots of movies for me. Uh, and it has mm-hmm. been since I first got letterboxd because I just love this movie. It's like what I look for in movies being like so charming and also like handle some dark subject matter well i don't know i like it so is that what you're yeah, going with sorry you i don't didn't, know you I don't didn't know mention you didn't talk about scream at all oh, normally scr- we compare. sorry yeah scream is fantastic and i love it i talked about it a little bit uh earlier about like the things i like about it balancing tone in similar ways as fargo does they're very different mm-hmm. movies but that's just something interesting that these two movies in a row both tackle really well um right uh, and yeah, it's a fun time. It is, uh, it's scares worked on me. We talked about it last week. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, at the end of the day, Fargo, it, it comes down to personal preference. I think they're both amazing movies. Right. Uh, similar for me. I think they're both awesome. Um, and I know we always like our claim as we're trying to find the best movie of each year, but I mean, what the truth is we're trying to find our favorites. Right. Um, and so I think Fargo is an achievement. I think it's brilliant. I think it's well-made. Like you guys said, it's gorgeous. Uh, the way it's shot. Roger Deakins did this one, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, of course he did. Um, it's it, it, it's so well done. Um, Can we just quickly we made look up if he won an Oscar for this or not? 
No, he's he never won an Oscar what? until this year. This was his until... first year winning an Oscar? Yes. That was the crazy thing. That's what everybody was Whoa. losing their minds about. Yes. Yes. Can, do you guys remember if Leonardo DiCaprio won an Oscar for the, for Titanic? Okay, so you were just being a dick. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Um, so uh, we, we made a vow to pick with our hearts. Um, so that's why I have to go with Scream. We talked about it in the last episode that, like, it's weirdly a comfort food movie for me. It's I throw it on. I always have such a fun time. It goes to my sensibilities a little bit more. While I still think Fargo's an achievement and I'm kind of awed by it, um, Scream is more for me. They're both five-star movies. It's just I prefer Scream more. Okay, Mark. It's down it to me. It comes down to this. Um... Hmm. Say, what's your favorite I, horror I, movie? This is not good podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> Talk it out. I, I mean, I it's uh, I talked about Scream last week. I think that Scream really is great, and it has a lot of really great, um, a lot of really good jokes in it. And I think its horror is really effective. Um, it somehow feels a little bit more dated. I think purely because it is riffing on '90s horror movies. Uh, in a way that, I mean, Chinese horror movies aren't, you know, popular. They aren't being made anymore. So it doesn't necessarily... Until Happy Death Day, they're coming back. And Happy Death Day 2 not... announced today, right? That was No, it was, annou- oh, okay. it was announced a while ago. Okay. I just saw something about it today. Gotcha. Um, I didn't realize the main character was coming back, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, her story was wrapped up. I don't need to yeah, see Tree again. <laughs> anyway, is she going to keep looping? I don't understand that either. I think so. I think so. I think she's going to start looping again. I guess that's like her superpower, is she loops on the day she dies. I guess. That's the premise of these movies, I guess. That's weird. Oh, maybe. Whatever. I forgot the mechanic <laughs> that made her loop as well. Me also. I'll, like, why does she loop? Well, damn, I'm going to have to rewatch it. Does it does not tell you. <laughs> just, are <laughs> okay. you sure? I'm, it just it, happens? It just happens. It, the movie does not oh, okay. tell you It is Chad's loops. favorite movie Well, then two is going to explain it in a bad uh, way, or, is what the second is, one will Or be. it won't. Um, uh, well, yeah, maybe. Anyway, sorry. What was I? Oh, I, it, it's it's riffing on '90s movies in a way that doesn't really connect to me because I haven't watched a lot of like '90s horror movies. Whereas Fargo mm. feels a little bit more timeless because it, I mean, it is set in the '90s, but it isn't like referencing the '90s a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, for sure. I also think, I mean, crime movies are more my cup of tea it's kind of like in in the pocket for me more than horror movies are um and also i think that like fargo leaves you in a good mood because it is about a woman who is just in a good mood um so i think it's it's easier to watch for that reason and more rewatchable for that reason as well um so i'm gonna go with uh fargo yeah I, I I was completely on board with you and following you until the rewatchable part because it's like that that's kind of the thing. I, I don't know. Scream. I don't know is if rewatchable hi- digestible. I don't know if rewatchable is the right term. Um, right, right, right. But I think it like it leaves me in a mood where I am willing to like I don't know go about my day. I don't know. It just leaves me in a better mood than Scream does. Just, right. just that, because that's of fair. the I was, movie. Yeah, yeah, I was completely mm-hmm. on board with you. It was the rewatchable thing where I was like, ah, Scream like has Halloween built into it. You know, like <laughs> you can throw it on that's at true. least once a year. Um, no, 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 I'm not mad about this one at all. 
Um, Fargo's awesome. Like, it's a good movie. Yeah. I did debate in my head throwing my vote towards Fargo in a calculated attempt to tear down before sunrise, but that's not how we vote around <laughs> here. We vote with our heart and not to win. I think so. that there's a good chance that at the end of the year, you will get someone to go Fargo over before sunrise. I mean, I'm going that yeah. spoiler alert for no, I mean, towards the I end. I think that you could spoil. convince one of, one of me or Chad to pick that. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's official. Uh, we talked about Fargo, but before we wrap things up around here, Mark, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Wellington Mark. I'm on Letterboxd at Mark0014. I have a Facebook. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Why? You guys, every time, <laughs> accidentally plug something you shouldn't. I mean, like, at me some on point, Facebook. you're going to give your home yeah. address. Like, I'm real worried. I'll about give it. them my home address. I'm going to move in a couple months. <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, I'm, um, I'm a new place. We'll, to talk yeah. we'll talk about it off. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Moving on. We want to sleep off Mike. Yeah, you can find <laughs> me at Chad A. Oliver on Twitter, uh, Instagram, <laughs> Letterboxd. Uh huh. And um, looks like Vine 2 isn't happening anymore, so you can forget no, about it's that. Not. It's definitely oh. not. Yeah. Which I feel like if people go back to older episodes, I tell you that it will never happen. <laughs> We probably do. <laughs> I am still going to believe that it might happen one day. Um, uh-huh. uh, you can find him on Vine 3. <laughs> Vine <laughs> yeah, they're just going to skip it. Yeah. Um, you can find me at Cody Lunsford underscore on Twitter. You can find me on Letterboxd by searching my name. I will pop up as will randomly a Jack Reacher review. I wish I could choose which review showed up. But it's when I watch Jack Reacher, never go back. Um uh, you can find the show on Twitter at WePickPicks, W-E-P-I-C-K-P-I-C-S. You can also find us in the Facebook group, uh, the Best Pictures Facebook group. We talk about the movies. We talk about trailers. We talk about the biggest releases like uh, and just a variety of other stuff. Uh, feel free to post in there when you want to talk about movie stuff. Uh, people have been doing that recently, and it's really cool because – as much as we pay attention to movie stuff, sometimes stuff slips by us as well. Um, I think that's it. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe, and also leave us a review on iTunes, all that fancy podcast stuff. Hey, Chad. Hey. What's the best movie of 1996? Say, Fargo, you know? Uh, Mark. God, I thought we were going to make it all the way through. Mark, what's your what's the best movie of 1996? Um, Fargo. Cody. Darn tootin'. Best movie of 1996. The best movie of 1990, 1996 is Fargo. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And remember, you betcha. <laughs> uh, you betcha. So imagine you're the biggest movie star of maybe all time, and you decide, I want to write and direct and star in my own movie. Tom Hanks did that, and it's that thing you do. And it's set in the 60s, which is like my favorite time period. And it's about a band, which is like my favorite thing. So just watch it. It's on Amazon to rent.